0: If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing his word. Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles." Our New Testament reading is Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Please join me now in prayer for the word. Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are not far, but you are near to us. And Lord, you desire for us not only to read your word, but to know it, to understand it, and to obey it. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would lead us to do so that we would have ears to hear, that we would, Lord, be attentive, Lord, to the moving of your spirit in us, that, Lord, we as your people might bring you glory by living according to your word each and every day of our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. We gather this morning and... We celebrate this day because it is the Lord's day. We celebrate his resurrection, for we know that it was on this day, the first day of the week, that our Lord resurrected from the grave and he defeated sin and he defeated death. But today is particularly a historic day, a historic day for me at least, because for the last two and a half years, we have been going through a pandemic, a pandemic that has changed our perception and our perspective about Sundays and how to worship on Sundays and whether we're going to stay home this Sunday or whether we're going to go to church or not. And over the last year and a half, we've especially as a staff and leadership been praying a lot about Sunday mornings. Are we going to go back to two times, two worship services? Are we going to stick to one? Are we going to change the time or not? And so thank you for enduring all of that and taking all of the surveys that we've thrown at you over the last year and a half. Today is a culmination of all of the praying and the surveying and all the meetings that we've had to determine how our church can best glorify God on his day. And so now we're meeting at 945. (laughs) I put an emphasis on his day. Because that's what today is, Sunday. It's His day. It's the Lord's day. It's not our day. And in calling it the Lord's day or Sunday, S O N day, we recognize that today is a day that's set apart, a day that's not about me. It's not about my purpose. It's not about my agenda, right? It's not about my motivation for, for what I'm supposed to do today. It's a day that we set apart to dedicate ourselves to the Lord, wholly to him, to worship him, to commit ourselves to him. For one day out of the week, we set it apart for him. That's really what I want to talk about today, is the Lord's day, or some would call it the Sabbath day. It's important for us to understand that it's his day especially as we examine our New Testament passage this morning, which talks about the Sabbath. In the passage, we see that Jesus heals a woman who's been crippled for 18 years. She's not able to stand straight. And it so happens that Jesus is teaching at the synagogue. And as he's teaching, he sees this woman who is ailing, and he heals her on the Sabbath day and the ruler of the synagogue who is there instead of rejoicing instead of giving praise to God for this wonderful miracle that's happened instead he looks to the people who are there in the synagogue and he says something that to us sounds it's it's just we're dumbfounded by what he says he says don't get healed on the sabbath there are 6 days to come and be healed Come back and be healed on one of those days. What Jesus did to this person and to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, it was in violation of their Jewish law. It was in violation of the restrictions that they had put for the Sabbath day. And so Jesus broke the law. He was a lawbreaker to the Pharisees and to the Jewish leaders. Ever since the law was given to Moses, This fourth law, this commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. The Jewish leaders had enforced their own restrictions, their own interpretation of how that should be. And so they put all of these restrictions on the Sabbath day. And one of them was not to work. And healing was considered work. This wasn't the first time that Jesus did something that the Jewish leaders didn't approve of. If you read the gospel, the... Practically the entire gospel is is filled with things that the Jewish leaders just hate that Jesus is doing, and so they all conspire together to see how they can stop him and even kill him. It's not the first time that Jesus is healed on the Sabbath either. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 3, he heals a man who has a withered hand on the Sabbath. In John chapter 5, we see Jesus healing a man who has been invalid for 38 years on the Sabbath. In John 9, he heals a man who was born blind on the Sabbath. And in all of these accounts, when Jesus does this, these miraculous things, these God-glorifying things, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders rebuke Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And they conspire together To see how they can stop him. They were more concerned. About their man-made restrictions. About these rules and regulations that they had made up. They themselves had made up. They were more concerned about these things. Than they were about the miracles. That were being performed. By God himself. By the Messiah. Christ himself. Before their very eyes. They were oblivious to what God was doing in their presence because they were so caught up with their legalism. They were so caught up with their man-made restrictions that not only were they themselves kept away from God, but they kept others away from God as well. In Matthew 12, Mark 2, Luke 6 we see an account where Jesus and his disciples are going through a grain field and they're hungry. And so some of his disciples start to take some of the, the wheat, the, the heads of the, the grain, and they start to rub them in their hands so that they can eat it. And it's so funny. If you look at the details, you know, you just, sometimes you just laugh. It says that the Pharisees were right there to accuse them. Then they say, why are your disciples doing what is unlawful of the Sabbath? So it's like, Jesus has his disciples, they're just minding their own business, and you see, you know, these Pharisees and these Jewish leaders just creeping up behind them, trying to catch them, you know, in, the, in whatever they're doing wrong. It's just, it's kind of sad, right? But they're there, and they catch the disciples doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath, because it was illegal to reap on the Sabbath. And taking the heads of the grain and, and rubbing them was, for them, considered reaping and Working. They had many such restrictions on the Sabbath, such as no baking, no weaving. You can make one loop, but you can't make two loops. You can't tie, you can't untie, you can, if something rips, you can sew it back, but you can only sew one stitch, not two. You can't salt meat, you can write one letter, but not two letters, and you can erase one letter, but not two letters. You can't make a fire, and you can't hit anything with a hammer. Now, to us, all these things seem so ambiguous. It, 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 what does is, what, what is all this mean? And, and, and I don't want to go in-depth about all the details about all these things and the restrictions and the Sabbath, and I don't want to go into too much depth about... Is the Sabbath day still, you know, uh, is it abolished? Is still around now? Is it supposed to be Saturday? Is it supposed to be Sunday? You know, is this, what time are we supposed to be on the Sabbath? You know, are we able to do these things or not these things? It's apparent that if you're here on Sunday today worshiping with us, that you believe that the Sabbath is on Sunday, the Lord's Day is on Sunday. It's apparent that if you meet in the morning, that you like to worship the Lord in the morning There's a lot of things that are apparent to us. And so I'm not going to go into too much detail in that. What I do want to point out is the fundamental principle that I believe Jesus is is teaching us in this passage, the principle behind our heart and our attitude towards the Lord's day or towards the Sabbath day. And there are some that believe that the Sabbath was instituted when God gave the law to Moses, and it was the fourth command and, commandment. And so that's when the Sabbath uh, regulations and, and you know that's when you had to start keeping the Sabbath day holy. But we see prior to God giving the law to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 16, that there's an event where God actually reminds the people that they are to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In verse 16, the Israelites are going and they're in the wilderness of sin And they begin grumbling against God because they're hungry, right? They're grumbling again, those Israelites. And so God promises that he will give them food. He will give them manna, meat. uh, He will give them quail, I'm sorry, meat in the evening. And he will give them manna or bread from heaven in the morning. We read in Exodus 16, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Now the Lord told the Israelites that for six days you can work. For six days he would provide for them the man in the morning and the quail in the evening. And he said, on the sixth day, you're supposed to gather twofold so that on the seventh day, which was a Sabbath, you will not work. He's saying you shall rest and he will provide. God will provide enough on the sixth day so that you can live and eat on the seventh day. So we see the Sabbath being practiced even before the Mosaic law, right? The Ten Commandments are given to the Israelites. And this is because the Sabbath wasn't something that was instituted in a certain time period. This Sabbath was instituted at creation. And so if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see that as God creates the world, that on the seventh day, he rests. And so in the fourth commandment, in Exodus chapter 20, we are, see that God reminds the people that the reason why they're supposed to rest is because God rested in the beginning when he created the heavens and the earth. Exodus 20.11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the reasoning for why the Israelites are supposed to take the Sabbath rest. I believe that this rest was something that was already instituted within the Israelite community even before they were given this law, that they were already practicing this and that the law was stating or reaffirming something that they already knew they were supposed to do because it was mandated. It was a creation mandate since the beginning. And so we see that this mandate continues on throughout the generations to keep the Sabbath. And the Christian Sabbath now, of course, being Sunday, is on the resurrection day, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. But the mandate is still there, the creation mandate of Sabbath. Now, it's interesting to see that the Sabbath day, the seventh day, originally for the Israelites, that in Exodus chapter 20, they were reminded of creation. But when you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is what it says of the reasoning of the Sabbath in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Now, it's not a change in the reasoning for why they're supposed to keep the Sabbath. In both instances, the Sabbath is remembering what God has done. In Exodus 20, it's remembering what God did in creation. In Deuteronomy 5, it's remembering what God did and how he saved the Israelites and took them out of Egypt, out of slavery. But in the second instance in Deuteronomy, not only are they remembering what God did in the past, but it's also pointing them to the future about the the eternal rest that God would give them one day. And so in a way, the Sabbath rest was practicing for the eternal rest that God would give them one day. And this is how the Hebrew author explains it in chapter 4 when he talks about the rest that God has given to us already, yet the rest that we continue to strive for, this eternal rest that we will one day have. The Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, anticipates the full experience of eternal rest in the world to come. And Isaiah spoke of these same things, this eternal rest. When he observes, in Isaiah 58, he says, to observe the Sabbath and points to the eternal rest that would be prefigured by Jesus Christ, the coming of our Lord. You see, the Sabbath is not only a day to just do nothing. The Sabbath, the, the hidden meaning inside of it, is to point us to God and to point us to Christ. Even in our rest, God is pointing us to his son, Jesus Christ. And so we call it the Lord's Day. This is the fundamental principle behind the Sabbath day or the Lord's day or whatever you're going to call it, whether you believe it's supposed to be called the Sabbath or whether you believe it's supposed to be called the Lord's day or something else. The point is that the day is God's day. It's set apart for God. It's the Lord's day. It's for us to remember what he has done and to point us to Christ. After the accusations that the Pharisees make in Mark chapter 3, where they're talking about the Sabbath in verses 27 and 28. This is what Jesus says to them. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Basically what Jesus is saying is, you're making all these restrictions, these man-made rules. He said, that's not what the Sabbath is for. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Creator. I am the Lord. The Sabbath was made for man, for us, to glorify God, to understand God, to rest in God. I love what Jesus says. He says, The Sabbath was not what the Sabbath was made for man. This day of rest was made for us, for our blessing, for our prosperity. It was made so that we would know the Lord more. This day, the Lord's day, the day that we dedicate to the Lord is so that we would be blessed. It's not a burden. It's not, oh, I gotta get up early tomorrow morning to go to church. It's a, I get to rest in God one day of the week. I get to worship God with my fellow brothers and sisters one day a week. I get to be just wholly committed to God, not thinking about anything else, laying aside all other duties, all other anxieties, all other stresses, and simply giving the day to the Lord. For the Jewish leaders, the Sabbath was about man-made rules. It was about restrictions. It was about how they themselves could keep those rules so that they could be in God's good favor, so that through their good work, God would love them on the Sabbath. Are you guys following, keeping track with me? For the Pharisees and the the Jewish leaders, the Sabbath wasn't about God's grace. It wasn't about God's unmerited grace, his forgiveness of sins his faithfulness to us, his mercy and his love to us. It was about how can I please God and make him happier through my works by keeping the right restrictions, by keeping these regulations. How can I gain his favor? How can I gain his grace? This is the heart of what Jesus is talking about in today's passage. Jesus isn't condemning when he says, You hypocrites. He's not condemning the Pharisees or the Jewish leaders because they're trying to keep the Sabbath. He, he, he's in the, the, the tabernacle. He's teaching, in the, he's not talking about how they're doing something wrong by keeping the Sabbath, that, oh, you're not supposed to keep the Sabbath what he's rebuking them against, what he's condemning them for is their own self-righteousness, their own works, that they think that by keeping these rules that somehow God is glorified. But when something actually good is done, something like healing someone who has been bound, he says, bound by Satan, who has been released, who has been set free, but that is, That is not glorifying to God. That is not good. That's what he's condemning them. He's rebuking them because they're turning away God's grace. They're turning away God's love. They're turning away God's mercy on his day by trying to keep all these rules and regulations and restrictions. And so it is for us. Let us for a moment Set aside our theological arguments about the Sabbath and our differences about what we should do on the Sabbath, what we can't do, what we should do, what time we should meet. The Sabbath day, the Lord's day, was made for us so that we could rest in the Lord and look forward to the eternal, perfect rest that we will have in heaven in the new earth because of Jesus, pointing us to Jesus. It is a a reminder of God's unmerited grace given to us that while we were still sinners, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, to resurrect from that grave, and to give us eternal life. That's what the Sabbath is about, putting everything else aside The Sabbath is about understanding the grace of God. And that's why Jesus was rebuking the ruler of the synagogue, because he didn't understand that. And so, to those who are thinking that this sermon is only about people who are too legalistic on the Sabbath, we have to do this at a certain time, we have to do this on Sunday, you can't do this on Sunday it's not only about those who are being legalistic on Sunday, but it's about those who are also being not too, too free on Sunday. And, and it rem- reminds me of what Tim Keller says about Christianity. And I, I love this, what he says. He says, The gospel is neither religion nor is it irreligion. It is something else altogether. Religion makes the law and moral obedience a means of salvation, while irreligion makes the individual a law to him or herself. The gospel, God's grace, however, is that Jesus takes the law of God so seriously that he himself paid the penalty of disobedience so that we could be saved by sheer grace. And that is the gospel. And so the Sabbath is the same. It's not about how religious you can be on Sunday. Or it's not about how irreligious you can be on Sunday. Oh, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. I am so free on Sunday. Sometimes I don't even go to church. You know? It's not about being religious. It's not about being irreligious. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about understanding this unmerited grace that we have been given through Jesus Christ. That is what the Sabbath, that is what the fourth commandment, that is what the Lord's day is about. And it's not just about one day. If you look at the fourth commandment, if you look in the Bible, the commandment isn't about just one day. It's about all seven days. The commandment says, you shall work for six days and you shall rest on the seventh. You shall work and do all your duties and do whatever you need to do on those six days. But on that seventh day, that one day of the week, it's not about you. It's not about your agenda. It's about the Lord. You give it to the Lord. It's the Lord's day. It's about us making sure that we trust in the Lord those six days that just like God provided the the quail and the manna on the sixth day enough for the seventh. It's about us trusting in God that we can rest on Sunday in Him, that we can take the day off, that we can worship Him, that we can dedicate this day to Him on Sunday. So the question we need to be asking ourselves is, how are we dedicating our our lives, our ourselves, to the Lord on His day, on the Sabbath day. How are we making this about God and not about me? In his commentary of the Ten Commandments, Peter Craigie he writes about the fourth: the principle thus provides us with three themes to remember on the day of rest. These are th- three things that we should be constantly thinking about all of which indicate our dependence upon God. We are creatures of our creator God and therefore dependent on him for our life. We are participators in that tradition, which goes back in history to the Exodus and even before that, when God revealed to his people his activity in human history by liberating his chosen people. And we are reborn through our identification with the risen Christ who may work in us a new creation, recalling the first creation and the creation of the people of Israel and looking forward to the eternal rest that we will have one day. And so, here are some questions that I ask myself when it comes to the Christian Sabbath, when it comes to the Lord's Day. Do I really believe in the provision of the Lord to not to not, and I'm guilty of this too, to not say on on Sunday, oh man, I got to finish this up or I got to do this or I got to get ready for these things because, oh, maybe, you know, I won't be able to do them. Do I really believe in God's provision that that he's going to do it? Do I view the Lord's day as my day or do I view it as his day? Are the activities that I do on Sunday truly honoring and pleasing to God or are they just pleasing to me? If I don't desire to worship on Sunday, if I don't desire to dedicate this Christian Sabbath to God, is there a heart issue that I need to address behind that? Again, the point is not whether we can be super legalistic on Sunday because that's a trap. It's not how irreligious, how unrestricting we can be on Sunday. That can also be a trap. It's about our heart to the Lord, understanding his gospel, understanding his grace, and going to church, doing the Bible studies, joining a small group, reading the Bible on your own, doing your devotionals, doing these things, but doing them with a heart truly devoted to the Lord. Even on Sunday, not just coming and going through emotion, but dedicating your your life, yourself to the Lord. When we do these things, when we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, the Bible tells us that we will be blessed because the Sabbath is a blessing to us. His people will be blessed. His church will be blessed. And the world will be blessed because of us. And so on this historic day where we meet at 945, let us once again remember why we meet on Sunday, why we call it the Lord's Day. Let us once again Dedicate our whole selves to him on this day. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your provision, your faithfulness, your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to meet on this, your day, to worship you, to give ourselves to you, to remember what you have done in our lives, to remember the grace that you have given to us, to remember that when we were sinners, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to restore us. And Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts, not to become more legalistic, not to become irreligious but Lord, to focus our hearts and our minds on you, your grace, your love for us, that we would be rested and restored today and then for the next six days, Lord, you will carry us through for the work that you have given us. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.